Hey everybody, welcome to the Impact Nations podcast. My name is Tim, I am your host, and today I am joined by a very special guest. Uh, this is Christine Locatos, and you are from Cambridge, Ontario, yes? Yes, I am. And Cambridge, Ontario is my old haunt, that's where I spent many years. Dad, uh, many of you know him as Steve, uh, planted a church there and in several surrounding uh, cities as well. Uh, and Christine, you were a part of that church, the Cambridge Vineyard, all those years ago, yeah? Many years ago. <laughs> and you still are, yeah? Good. <laughs> Over 30 years now. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, um, it is crazy. And we're talking to you today because you've got a ministry called Urban Hope. Uh, and uh, Dad was up there visiting you guys uh, in December and was just thrilled to see what you guys were doing. And he said to me, hey, you got to get them on your podcast so you can talk about all the work that they're doing and encourage others with that. So here we are. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you. So why don't we start with uh, what is Urban Hope? What do you guys do? Okay. So we're the outreach portion of the Cambridge Vineyard. And so we have a facility and within the facility we have, we feed. So we're open right now, Tuesdays and Sundays in the facility that you come to. And we feed meals up to, up to 200. We give out 200 meals every time we're open wow. and they're home cooked meals. So first thing you come in, you got the coffee bar. So you get your, your hot drinks and snacks and then a meal. We have laundry facilities, haircuts, uh, clothing room, grocery room, and we also do, uh, we have a ministry room where they come in, we pray for them, we walk them through addictions, inner healing. Um, so we have that going every Tuesday, right on site. Wow. And then, and then um, on Wednesdays, every second Wednesday, we're out on the streets. So we're right out in front of the bus terminal, downtown Cambridge. And that's where we officially started reaching out more. It was George and I, my husband and I, mm -hmm. when our kids were little squirts and then we were homeschooling them. And so we said, you know what? We need to start reaching out to the community more, get our kids involved. And so we started in front of the bus terminal with our little guys. And we made chili and sandwiches and hot drinks. And we would pray for people. Mm -hmm. And as we were praying for people, they would receive healing. We had one. The, one of the first guys we prayed for, he was on fourth stage of cancer. Wow. We prayed for him. He went back to the doctors. He was completely healed. <laughs> That's a good completely start. Completely <laughs> healed. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. And just miracles after miracles, like simple ones too. Like we had one guy, he, he lost his wallet. And he was so upset. He hadn't had it for two weeks. So I prayed, Lord, I declare and called over him to find his wallet. We were packing up two hours later. He comes running down, screaming. He goes, I can't believe this. After you guys prayed for me, I got a phone call. They found my wallet. And you prayed that nothing be stolen. All my money was still and all my ID was in that wallet. Wow. And it was like two weeks, right? <laughs> so just just things like that, right? And praying yeah. a lot for people to get housing and jobs. And, and they will come and find us like a month later and, and, and give us money and said, you know what, after you prayed for me, I went, got, I got a job and I got housing. Hmm. And, um, so we've had people come in crutches coming to find us and we'd pray for them just because they knew we were out on the street. Yeah. And, um, so that's, that's really the ball game where it started. And I've got, you know, lots of street children now. My one girl, she was prostituting on the street, and now she's my street daughter, and mm. uh, she's doing absolutely fantastic. And she ended up, re uh, they're engaged to get married with our street guy. <laughs> and we met him. He was pretty much, you know, just shortly out of jail, and we ended up praying for him, and he gave his life to Jesus. And now he's raising his daughter, and now about to be married to our other friend my other street daughter so and wow. they're doing they're doing really good wow and uh and then um we also met this well there's so many stories but out of being there on the streets we um we started because people are giving their lives to the lord and their lives are changing but in the past life they would have their children taken from them right when yep. they because of the struggle of their addiction so i had this one friend she gave her life to jesus but 
she um she had a moment and got pregnant <laughs> mm-hmm. and family services were going to take her children instantly right because that's the routine that takes place and so we went to family service and said how can we prove that she her life is different and that she could raise this child they said if you give her 24-hour supervision so we took her in a, a church family took her in wow. in the basement we got 15 women we wrapped around her for 24 hours we did it for three months and we taught her how to bond with her child the books closed in three months it was supposed to stay open a long time they wow. were so amazed at what we did and now that little girl is in kindergarten she's six years old wow yeah so and out of that we just keep helping restore families so yeah. We've restored about 12 families so far mm-hmm. where we, we go to family services. What do you need us to do to help this parent get their child back? And, we, you know, we help them get up through addiction, get off addiction. Um, if that doesn't take place, we actually take children in. So um, my friend Trish and Phil LaCurse, phenomenal. I can't tell you the work they do. And they have nine children of their own. <laughs> yeah. So, Yeah. But uh, already they've taken in two of the girls, two girls. They look like twins, but they're two years apart. The parents struggle with addiction. So they took the two little girls in and they're raising these two little girls and, and their lives are completely been changed because of that. They don't take them in as foster care. They take them in um, so that the parents can continue to see the, their, their children. Because yeah. what we find is when you struggle with that addiction, and you can't get out of it, you take their children away, it makes it worse. Yeah. There's, there's no more hope. The hope has been taken. Yeah, and there's there's almost no motivation to to get right, to get clean. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And we're urban hope, so we give hope, right? <laughs> it's kind of your jam. Well, Jesus loves us. That's our jam, <laughs> right? So, so that's what we do. So that's our goal is they continue to see their children then hoping that they will get their life cleaned up to the standards they need to, right? So we've even taken a little baby right from birth. Yeah. And our, our one of our families in our church is raising that little baby. Hmm. And uh, the baby's actually a year old now. And she's such an adorable little thing. Wow. So, yeah. So we take, as if, if can, we take children, right? So that, you know, with the hope that the family will eventually. Yeah you know, get cleaned up and healthy enough to raise their own children. So you keep using the pronoun we. Give give us an idea of who we is. Okay. So we is, well, all my staff down at Urban Hope, right? So there's there's a good 20 of us. Wow. But also the Cambridge Vineyard, Hmm. right? So the Cambridge Vineyard family, which is a church, Mm -hmm. um, will take the children in to their households. So a family within the church. Yeah taking the children in yeah how do you what motivates these people to do it i mean that's that's a massive undertaking for a family to suddenly you know take in a small you know whether it's baby or small child not knowing what's gonna what's gonna happen next what's the next step how do they do they do you think they know what they're getting into when they say yes to that (laughs) yeah they do and like Trish says, she goes, I, I, I will fight for these children no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like even right now, not only did she take those two girls in, she has another two that basically live at her house because the in the, in that area, the parents, they just, they haven't been paired themselves, right? And then they have these children and they, and the one mother, she goes to work. She's a nurse, let alone, goes to work, but leaves her two children for days on end. And they're Mm. six and 10, Mm. right? And Trish goes, no way. And so she takes them in, right? And the mother will check in every, you know, once a month, Mm -hmm. right? But, um, and she walks about 15 kids to school in the morning, Trish does, because the parents are not around, right? So she's a, she's a Heidi Baker, I tell you, you know, it's it's love. It's motivated. You know, and we see the brokenness in the children and we know that if we give them love and give them Jesus and give them a family environment, that will break the cycle of all this homelessness and brokennessness on the street. Yeah. Right. Get them while they're young. Because mm-hmm. that's the cycle they're going down. 
Yeah. Yeah, and that that leads to my next question because I was going to ask you like one of the uh, one of the conversations we have lots here just in our offices at Impact Nations. One of the struggles that we have is this balance between, um, you know, loving on the poor and, and like meeting their immediate needs versus the enabling or building dependency. Uh, and for us, that looks like, you know, we want to be real careful that we're not building dependency in communities where they're just expecting, uh, you know, the Americans to come into their village and do all the things and mm. never really reach the point where they're able to take responsibility for their own community and really see it excel on on its own without our interference, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And yet, there are immediate needs. You know, we we have programs that range from, you know, just feeding the hungry because they're they're orphans and they don't have food or they live on the street, they don't have food, all the way to, you know, building sustainability through skills and business development and things like that. Do you guys have that conversation ever about that, that concern about building dependency and, you know, almost enabling people n- not to take the next step of, self-sufficiency i'm not taking the next step um with our guys i don't know if this answers the question but um we we work with them right we do life with them yeah and um um like my street guy i told you about a family from our church that had their own construction business i took him in and gave him the skills yeah i don't know if that's answering your question and now he went to school not never learning how to read and write because he lived on the streets. He went to school and visually they taught him. And now he has his um, heavy machinery license. Do you wow. know what I mean? And <laughs> going forward. Yeah. Right. So our goal is to find a place where they can get hands on and work yeah. and get the skills. We have another fellow too, Dave, who was 14 years on the streets living in a tent. Um, we got him the skills too and a job mm-hmm. and he's moving forward. Right. Yeah. So whatever it needs, but then now they're moving forward. They got their own thing. Right. Right. So, and you can loose them and let them go. Loose them. And, and now they help us. You know what I mean? Wow. Like yeah. towards he, the, the one guy, he was down there today. It was our security guy, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but he loves the people cause he's been there. And he's so gentle when, you know, they do decide to do drugs on, you know, do something here, take that off property. And, and you know, it's very respectful. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, because they know him, right? right? And they respect that because yeah. he was one of the guys that was on the street, right? But God has changed his life. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So the stuff that you guys do at your facility in terms of, you, like you said, you're feeding 200 meals on a, on a Tuesday and things like that. You've got, I've seen pictures, you've got kitchens and, and uh, dining facilities and all that sort of a thing. That, you know, it sounds to me like in one sense, that's really just a touch point. Like it's a beginning of a relationship or it's, it's an opportunity for the beginning of a relationship. Is that, is that how it started? Did it start, did your ministry start with the with just the feeding of the poor and then it developed from there as you built relationships? Yeah, it really did. It started really from being out in front of the bus terminal, Mm -hmm. giving them um, chili and, you know, all that stuff and making a relationship with everybody on the streets there and, and then getting the facility. And I always say, and they'll tell you that we're a family down there, right? When you walk in, we consider you family. Hmm. And family frustrates each other, yeah. you know, family and welcome the family, right? We're, but we're family and we're going to do life together. And, um, you know, and we do everything from hospital visits to, you name it, the jail visits to staying with them in court. And, you know, and they know that they can call on us. Yeah. And, and if we if we can, we're there, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Do you ever get the feeling that... Um, some are just taking advantage of you like they, they're not they're not ready or they're not in a place to to really give their give their lives to transformation give give themselves to uh you know to a new lifestyle but are happy just to get the handout and and just kind of keep taking advantage of you oh totally totally we get both yeah but i see it this way you know apart from christ we're selfish people 
Hmm. Right? Yeah. And so their heart motives are going to be selfish. If they don't know Christ, they're going to be selfish. Yeah. I mean, we us that knows Christ don't have selfishness, right? <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> so people always say, you know, they're taking advantage of you. And I go, I know they are, but I'm going to continue to love them. I'm accountable for myself. Hmm. Right? I like what Heidi says. I love them. God does the miracle. Wow. Right? Yeah. So I'm just going to continue loving on them, you know, and, and that's what we do. We continue to love on them. Yeah. I had one guy... He said to me, he says, you know, I used to shoot up in your bathroom all the time because I'm very firm on no drugs on site. Right. He says, but because you've loved me and you'd show me that I have value, I would never do that again. Right. And he wrote a letter and every time he and this guy's a tough guy on the streets. Right. Hmm. He hasn't gave his life to the Lord yet, but he lets me pray for him all the time. Yeah. And, you know, but we have even a guy said today we're open today. He goes. He goes, this really is family here. He says, every time I walk in here, he goes, and sometimes I've missed a couple of weeks. I just need to come in here because you give us value and you speak to us like you really care for us. And these are tough guys, right? Yeah. So, and that's our goal is always pull the gold out of everybody who walks in that door. Yeah. So, and I push that hard with my staff, but most of my staff are those that have came off the street and given their lives to the Lord. So. That's remarkable because it, it really gives them, a, as you mentioned earlier, a, a sense of um, almost moral authority. Like they, they're they're able to relate. Uh, wow, I mean, even as uh, as the writer of Hebrews says, like we we have a high priest who can relate to us. He lived he lived on this earth and can relate to us in the same way. Your staff have lived that life and can say, "I know, I've been there," and and nobody can question that. Uh, that's very powerful. You know, you know what's so powerful too? Because I take them out Sunday mornings. Also, we started that once a month where we go out Sunday mornings. And, you know, again, we used to do it in the early vineyard days. Yep. But we give uh, groceries out. And what I find is so different when I have the guys, makes me weep, when I have the guys that have got their life changed and they come out and they now go out to pray for people and give food to people, they don't care to be in a rush. They'll sit down and they'll pray and they'll talk with that person because they understand the pain they're going through Yeah. and said, this is what helped me. And this is how I walked through this. And this facility helped me and they do life with them. It's not just going out to do outreach. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, totally different they'll sit there for two or three hours meanwhile i'm like okay we got to get to the next place to give out food they're like no we're gonna stay here and we're gonna talk and do life and yeah right and help her get through what we need to get through yeah yeah so they speak they always speak to you right like i had one guy i remember i i said to him i said i've been praying for you he looks at me and he goes you know what i get on my knees in my tent and i pray for you and wow. I just start crying oh. and he's telling how he prays for me because he's still thank you, thankful how I, I loved on him, right? And continue to do that. Yes. He goes, but you got to understand how much I pray for you. And I went, oh my gosh, right? Wow. So powerful. Yeah. Like there was a, and I've learned something that because there's always a lot of, unfortunately, overdoses, right? And sure. people die. We've had a lot of overdoses. And so I try to go to that place where they've overdosed and pray over the area Wow! and take ground, take ground and then ask Lord, okay, where, who who, bring someone my way that I can pray for in that area. So I had a friend that he, um, he was drunk, but he froze to death. He was so sweet to my heart. Hmm. I prayed for him a lot before my last time seeing him. I hugged him. I gave him a cross about a year earlier and he goes, I'm still wearing the cross you gave me. Right. And I prayed for him. Not knowing it was my last time going to see him, yeah. right? And about three days later, he froze to death. So I took my street girl with me, and we went down and prayed where he died. And we prayed for about an hour. And then these other guys came in, were coming. Um, it was New Year's Eve, actually. And they were coming up by Food Basics there. And we went to go pray for them. And and we prayed for one, one girl, and she struggles with addiction. The presence of God fell on her soul so much we had to hold her up right wow and then and then there was a circle them and most of them were homeless we got in a circle and we prayed together and then they turned around and prayed for me 
<laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was not expecting that, Lord. Yeah. Hmm. You know, and it's like, again, you know, like Bill Johnson says, Jehovah's Sneaky. It's like God just turns around yeah. and blesses you through them. But, it, you know, it tells me that you, in your activities, you guys are giving them incredible value as as humans and they like they recognize that because they are responding out of the fullness of the spirit that they're receiving they're responding in kind and, and giving away uh sometimes i have conversations with a friend of mine who's concerned at times that by doing ministry to the poor it there's a risk of us um devaluing them or looking down upon them if this makes sense like the concern is you know come into an area and start giving away groceries the implication is hey we know you you don't have your stuff your act together so you can't buy your own groceries so we're going to help you with that um and it can be dehumanizing in a sense and yet you guys seem to have found a way to do this in a way that communicates value um that they very quickly understand is there a trick to that do you have any recommendation for somebody who's wanting to go and do ministry for the to the poor but also doesn't want to alienate the poor by making them feel less than well we don't push anything hmm. that's number one right and i know like when you say that i'm picturing as i go to people's doors right because i don't know who's on the other side of that door when i knock on the door to offer them food but it's like, hey, we're in the area. We have some extra food. Is there any way we can bless you? So that gives them the freedom to say yay or nay, right? And sometimes they will say, hey, you know what? I'm pretty good. Give it to my neighbor over there. And 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 then sometimes they will hold on to it to give it to a neighbor. Hmm. Neat. Right. Yeah. I had one guy come running out. And he goes, oh, my gosh, I just got off the phone. with My friend that's struggling so much. And you just gave me exactly everything he was longing, like wanting for. He was asking. Wow. So he ran off and gave it to the person. And he felt like so blessed. He got the joy of the, of the giving. He got yeah. the joy of it. Right. Yeah. And yet he got and he allowed us to pray for him. And he's like, wow. And he just felt, you know, that God was using him. Even though I don't think he knew the Lord, but he felt the tangible, like, he was like, thank you, God. This is cool. Like, you mm. know, um, but we never push it. We just, we, like we'd offer to anybody, you know what I mean? Just, Hey, you know, and, um, and, and most of it, it's your heart condition. Like, uh, whether you're poor or not in our, in our eyes, we just want to love you. Yeah. You know, you're valuable in God's eyes. And we do know the full, the food is just the entrance point. Yeah, it's connection. a beginning of a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we totally respect people to say, "Hey, we're cool." We've even had people call up and say, "Hey, you've left this at the front of our door." You know, other people need it. We don't need it. So, whether that's shame for them or not, we like, okay, that's cool. We won't drop it off next time at your place, right? Yeah. We just try to honor everybody, whatever it is. Yeah. So I'd say step out. And see what happens, mm-hmm. right? If your heart condition is just to love them, that's going to overtake this. If they feel too shameful to receive, yeah. Did that uh, answer your question? Yeah, no, it absolutely <laughs> did. Yeah, yeah uh, okay. I'm curious. I mean, you guys have been doing this for really. When did you say you started going to that bus stop? Oh, we've been doing that about ten years now. Yeah, yeah, good ten years. Um, and I know. I think I mean, it might have been over. It might be 12 years now, actually. I'm trying to think how old my daughter is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we've been doing the whole, you know, grocery giveaway thing since I was a kid in, in the church. Yeah. You know, that was, I grew up doing that stuff with you guys. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm curious, though, like, if you could kind of rewind a little bit, how did you, how did you figure out your target areas? Like, how did you know where to go? Where, where, how do you find the poor, if that is a, not too crass of a way of asking that question. I mean, obviously, I know that there's people living on the streets and, and you know, things like that. But in terms of the, the grocery giveaway, things like that, where you are going to homes, physical buildings, how do you know where to go? Well, we're going actually close to our church, so we know the, the area, mm-hmm. and we know it's low income, yeah. right? So we do hit the low income areas. Yeah. So And where we're located, it's known for 
more of the low income areas, the circles and stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's where we're hitting. And, and I know all the apartment buildings where a lot of our guys live, they tell me what's going on. Uh, yeah. And also, I mean, I do have an advantage because they come down to urban hope and they tell me where all the people are struggling. Yeah. Right. But when it came to going out, when we did it in front of the bus terminal, why did we do that? Cause we knew we'd hit more people. We hit more variety of life. We hit those that are working on the streets. We'd hit the homeless. We'd hit those that are just getting off the bus. Mm-hmm. So we're not just hitting the poor. We're getting those that are just traveling to, um, you know, we get somebody that's on their way an hour away going to Hamilton or something, right. That doesn't live in Cambridge, but still we're offering them something and we're offering to pray for them. Right. Yeah. Do we end up seeing them again. We don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was a kind of appointment. So when you, when you first, uh, are building relationship with somebody or you first encountered somebody, how do you, sh- I'm curious to hear how you share the gospel. I ask some of our guests this question sometimes yeah. because there's yeah. so many different gospel presentations and your context is, is quite different from ours in terms of, you know, we're international and we're typically doing mm-hmm. that in the context of, uh, you know, doing a, either an outdoor meeting or a medical clinic or something like that. You guys have an opportunity to be building relationship a little bit more long term than we might when we're on a journey of compassion what's your what's your pitch for the gospel if you if you don't mind me asking well the first thing usually we have something tangible in our hands too hmm. right yeah. well you're going to say when we're out on the streets so our first tangible thing is we call them over and we offer them they want some chili they want a sandwich they want a hot drink right and out of that i introduce myself my name's christine you know and they usually introduce themselves and if they don't, I say, hey, what's your name? And I say, is there anything I could pray for you today? Is there something physically in your body? Are you going through struggle financially? Is there something going on with your family? Is there any way I can bless you today? And in using the, almost the word of blessing too, they go, yeah, you know, I, I'm really going through a hard time with right, right now. My dad's struggling in the hospital. Oh, can, can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And almost i hardly ever get turned down for prayer yeah um if i do i say okay thank you you know okay can i just a blessing on you i said would you like to pray for me (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one (laughs) yeah right and sometimes they do right (laughs) um so because i try to i try to be on their level do you know what i mean i'm not over you and say i want to pray from you it's like oh would you like to pray for me then right and which is shocking I've had a lot of them actually just go, okay. And add their language and their concept of God, they'll pray for me, but it tells me where their heart's at. Yeah. Right. And then we develop this connection. So, hmm. but those are usually my, and if I don't have something tangible in my hand, mm-hmm. I'll still ask that question. There's something I can bless you with today. Mm-hmm. Can I pray for you? Yeah. My first question is how can I help you today? Yeah. Right. That's the, that's always the entrance point. And I do that when I open the doors of urban hope. Because a lot of times they come home, they come walking in and they've just been in the shelter and they just got this stolen from them and this stolen from them and they're triggered with this. And I go, I I say, it's so good to see you. Is there something I can help you with today? How can I, what do you need? Right. And it just brings down the balls. Yeah. And then, I mean, once you've started to build some relationship with them, how do you invite them into a life of Christ? You know, most of them, developing that relationship with them, they already know they're struggling. They're not doing well, right? And my, (laughs) my, my classic point is, you're realizing, you know, you can't handle your life, right? I, you know, Jesus can handle your life. Would you like to give it over to him? Wow. Right. Yeah. So, and 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 then I communicate how much he loves, loves them, and and you know understands that brokenness, and so the ultimate goal is to lead them into encounters, to yeah. their own personal encounter, and whether they're drunk or high, I love it. God still totally encounters them. Yeah. I had one girl, she was so drunk, but she was so weepy, and she was. I don't remember the time what the what the issue was, but I 
weird reason I said to her, do you talk to God? She goes, yeah, yeah, I talk to God. And I said, okay, let's ask God, you know, I forget what her problem was, but can you picture God to you? And she pictured God and it was surprisingly enough. She had, you know, he wasn't distant. He was actually like something that was safe to her. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, can you pitch yourself giving him whatever she was struggling with at the time? And she pitched herself giving him that struggle. And then all of a sudden, he gave her back such a comfort and a truth. She silvered up in front of my face. Wow. Silvered completely up. <laughs> and he gave her such an encounter. Like she sat on Father God's lap. A moment of just drunk and, and so much pain to complete peace. And that girl, we ended up taking her in. She ended up having uh, twin babies. Wow. And, uh, yep. And unfortunately she still struggled. So Mm -hmm. she, um, she was clean for a whole year. She had twin babies and she had a moment, like a month of, um, of drinking again. So we had to take call family services, had the kids taken just in our care for about, about a year. And she went to teen challenge. She came back. Now it's like she's in her, I think, fourth year. She has all her children back. She's on fire for Jesus. Mm. <laughs> and she's working full time. Yeah. And amazing. And she comes down and she shared her testimony down at Urban Hope. And out of her testimony, she's brought a lot of my guys off the street because they wow. relate to her. Wow. So yeah. when you asked her one day, you know, do you want Jesus to handle your life? And you said, you know, you had her just envision her handing it over to him in a sense. Mm-hmm. I, I, I clearly she did that. I, I mean, obviously the Lord has handled her life. How do you guys um, disciple them through all that that means? Because that's well, again, it's massive. It is like still in the midst of that. Like I said, a family from our church took her in, right? And she lived there for a good year. Yeah. And then when she moved out and had her twin babies, she was still doing awesome. But then she had a crash moment. Yeah. So, I mean, but we didn't give up on her. Right. People would go, oh, crap. Now her kids are gone again. Yeah. She's walking through addiction again. And we're like, no, hmm. you were going to continue to do life with her. So what is the next step? Are you willing to go to Teen Challenge? Yeah, yeah. I am. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, and, and especially a lot of our guys, you know, they're clean, 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 and then they have a weekend of, cr- you know, they crash. Yeah. But then we pick them back up and say, hey, that was only two days. That wasn't six months. Let's celebrate. Yeah. Okay? Right? And now we're getting back on the road again. Yeah. So, you know... It, it's 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 day by day moment by moment and just it really is doing life together and constantly like i have a girl right now i love her so much she was clean for a while and now i saw her yesterday just you know back on the streets yeah and a wonderful girl but every time she comes in we pray for her and we love on her and we speak value into her yeah and i know she's going to come around yeah right so, and, and I generally believe she's accepted Jesus. Mm-hmm. She's just got some stuff to walk through and it's, it's, it's going to take time. But when she crashes, it doesn't take six months again, you know, hmm. maybe it's just a couple more weeks, but we continue to pray. And what she knows is awesome. She even comes high, but she knows we're not going to throw her away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We still speak value into her. We still love her. We still say, how can we help you? Yeah. Right. So how do you, how do you avoid the heartbreak or get over the heartbreak? How do you not burn out with this stuff? Oh, the big question. (laughs) 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 It really is just spending time with Jesus as we know, right? It's our, our own time. I mean, our greatest call of anybody's life is to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. And so I, I'm spending time with the Lord and being filled up. And out of that, then you can love others, right? Yeah. And and constantly see them the way God sees them. Because mm-hmm. everyone has a plan and purpose from God. Yeah. Right? And and and, and not and refusing to see it any other way. I don't see people struggling. I see them struggling in addiction, but I see that that's not who they are. Right. You see past right? it. Yeah. Oh, so see past it. Yeah. Right? And, um... And God so loves them 
right? And I see them, I see myself the same as them, right? And they know that, right? We're all, we're on the same level ground. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you can't look down to them because you know you're coming from a, a place of brokenness as well. Apart from Christ, I'm selfish. And I, and you know what? They're my heroes because I, their stories wreck me. Hmm. Where would I be? Oh my gosh. You know what I mean? I don't know. I wouldn't be functional if I walked through what they've had to walk through. Yeah. Right. And so, and yeah. Hmm. And they, and, and I, I so love the Lord. He's so amazing how he goes to these deep wounded areas and he scoops out that pain and he loves on him and speaks truth into your identity. Hmm. I'm telling you, that's, that's worth it all. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? That's just worth it <laughs> Absolutely. All. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm done. That's it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? So. So yeah. I guess two questions. Uh, in terms of there, for those who are listening who are from Southern Ontario, how can they get involved in what you guys are doing? Is I guess the first obvious question. Uh, where should they go to to learn more about you guys? Well, um, I they can go to the website, which you'll put up. Yep, we'll, right? we'll include that in the podcast notes. Yep, in our Facebook, mm-hmm. right? And so that keeps us up on everything we're doing and can can um, communicate with us mm-hmm. if you're in our area. You please come on down, right? Yeah. Come down and serve with us. Come down and love on the people with us. What do you find? Right? I'm curious. When somebody first joins you to volunteer with what you're doing, whether it's uh, on location on Tuesdays or out and about on Wednesdays, what are some of the uh, reactions that you get? Or what? Do, how do people um, behave when they discover this this opportunity? Are they freaked right out? Yeah. Are they terrified? Are they sad? Are they excited? What is it? I have a lot of people who get very excited when they walk in and yeah. see what we're doing. They're blown away when they see the amount of people are there and they're blown away, you know, and how we feed them and how we love on them. And, um, yeah. And a lot of them, they, they stick around and yeah. some of them get so excited, but they start going to all these other grocery stores to try to get food for us. And, you know, um, they just, you know, because they see the brokenness. Unfortunately, Cambridge is not what, it, there's a lot more homeless in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. more evident. And seeing that we are doing something about it. Yeah. Right? Because some people don't know what to do. They just don't know what to do. So we give them the vehicle to jump into, yeah. to help them serve. And, and if anything, I've seen them walk away crying. You know, I had one girl that was hair cutting for a while and she says, I get so ministered to cutting these guys hair because hmm. she listens to their stories yeah. and it, and it keeps you humble. It keeps you desperate when you listen to what they go through yeah. on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Amazing. So now for those who aren't able to come and join you because they don't live in Southern Ontario, um, what do you recommend if people, if somebody's listening to this and they're saying, man, I've, I've, it's time. I, I'm tired of sitting around on my duff or I'm, I'm tired of being just in church. I need to go do this stuff. Where should they look? What should they, what should they do? I would say start, start small, start small and um, look at ways you can serve people, right? Simple. I think of early vineyard days, right? Go rake somebody's grass, Mm -hmm. go shovel someone's driveway and just say, I'm doing this because I want to bless you. Is there anything I can pray for you about today? Anything can bless you, you know, finances, you're going through anything physically, you need healing in your body, Mm -hmm. right? Take a risk. And as we know, we do that on a regular basis when we're out shopping, we see somebody or a situation and we approach people and say, Hey, I see you're struggling with this. Can I pray for you? But it's worth it all, right? Yeah. Taking that risk. And what's the worst thing you can do? They say no, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but serving is such a blessing. Just going out to serve, right? And, yeah. um, you know, simple thing. I know for me, you know, I'm in the Tim Hortons line, so I'll buy a couple coffees down the line, right? Mm. Um, but serving. Serving is the tool. That, you know, our God is a God that serves. Yeah. Right? And... um 
Yeah, so just that's how we started. That's where Urban Hope started was going out in front of the bus terminal and just offering free food yeah. and prayer. And it prayer. was serving the community. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So And I love what you said in terms of uh it's not about quantity, it's about quality effectively. Like it's good to stop and just spend an hour in conversation with somebody and and listening to their story. Uh, sometimes I think we fall into the trap of counting the numbers in terms of, yeah, we got this many meals out today or, or whatever. And yet, um, sometimes by going rapid fire, we actually miss out on the opportunities to stop and, and hear the, the stories and really get opportunities to build relationship and develop something that could lead to longer term trans- transformation. It's so true. And and I'm I'm just as much get caught in that too, right? Because I see what needs to get given out. You know, I know where the food is, I know where the towels are, I know and I see what sure. needs to be done. And they're constantly asking me for tents and they're asking me for this and I'm running and running. And then I see Buddy over here struggling. And I'm like, okay, stop, Christine. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Go over there and talk to that person, right? Yeah. You get so caught up in tasks. Like that happened last Tuesday. And, and then the guy ended up saying, the doctor told me I only had six months to live. And I actually stopped to talk to him. And I said, can I please pray for you? And we prayed for him. And I called another girl in to pray with me. And he just started bawling. And he tangibly felt this this presence, this, this heat of God fall upon him. Right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, and he actually ended up giving his life to the Lord because I said, I, you know, obviously you're in a lot of pain. You have a lot of anger. I see the anger on you. I said, you know, and he admitted he had anger. I said, are you willing to give that anger to God? And he said, well, I don't know. And I said, Lord, reveal yourself to him. And he saw, I get them the picture, however God is. Because children, right? We got to be childlike faith. Hmm. It's in our imagination place that we talk to God, really. we pitch, It's our picture place, right? So I get them to picture God. However God looks for them tells me where their relationship's at, right? Yeah. So he pictured God, and, and God came close to him. And out of that, he ended up giving God his anger. Hmm. He was holding on to his anger. And he gave it to him, and he just started to weep. And uh, he ended up asking Jesus into his heart. And I'm so glad I stopped. Yeah. <laughs> I stopped in the doing. Right. And, um, and I got blessed and his girlfriend got blessed. Like his girlfriend's Catholic, but she was saying, wow, like this was amazing how you prayed for him. And, and so we ended up giving him a Bible and yeah. So I haven't seen him since, but I know I'll see him next time. I won't been right. Yeah. What do you make of that? Like, what if you never do see him again? Like these, these encounters with Christ and then you don't have the opportunity to, to follow up and, and disciple. Like, do, do you wrestle with that at all? No, because the word says some plant the seed, some water the seed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And because you know what? Talking about that, there was a couple um, would always come down to the streets on Wednesdays for outreach, and we'd minister to them and pray for them, never really knowing if they fully gave their life to the Lord, right? They always kind of allowed us to pray for them. And then unfortunately, how sad it was, their, their one son um, committed suicide. Mm. And so I went to the funeral. But when I was at the funeral, shortly after we were interacting with them and praying for them on the streets, they ended up going up to the church up the hill and became a member. And they have been discipling them ever since. Wow. Wow. You know, but the, yeah. I didn't find them out until a year and a half later from yeah. hearing of the death of their son. Hmm. So it's like, God, you're so amazing, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. And that, I think that it ultimately just comes down to that level of trust. Like, okay, Lord, you know, I'll be obedient with what you place in front of me, and then I'll release it back to you, and you do with it what you will. Yeah. yeah. And like you know, my whole goal is to really just lead them into an encounter with God. Yeah. That is my ultimate goal, right? And and I just love, you know, that they can picture God, give them whatever they're struggling with. I don't know. I don't need to know what their belief system is. Hmm. I really don't. No. I just need to get them to picture God, yeah. right? And if it lines up to the biblical God I know, right, then we work with it, yeah. right? And 
then they give whatever the pain or the struggling they're tangibly struggling with at the time. And God blows them away every time, you know, <laughs> he takes that pain and he gives them a truth reality that just sets them free yeah. and they start weeping. And I have this one guy, he's been on the streets for a while. Um, you know, I never know how depth, how deep God was getting from like we do exchanges and he would see God. But the other day he told me he was on the street and he had such bad back pain. And he said, God, I know you can heal me. And God says, I love you. I can heal you. You take a step and you just give yourself fully to me. And he got out of that wheelchair because he had such back pain. And he was in a wheelchair and he did that himself. <laughs> he did that. No one was around. Yeah. You know, he just cried out to God and he got out of that wheelchair and he has not been in the wheelchair since. Wow. And he told me that he, because I taught him how to give things to God and listen to what God's saying back to him. It's, you know, it's one thing to pray, but you've got to learn to listen, yeah. right? It's a personal relationship. Mm -hmm. And that just showed me, wow, you actually do know the Lord, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I never really knew. Yeah. So, but yeah, he's walking even to this day. He's still homeless on the street, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. And he received his own miracle with his own encounter by himself. I think I fall into the danger, you know, what you just said, and he's still, he's still homeless living on the street. I, I, I fall into the trap, I think, sometimes of uh, accepting Jesus means everything's going to turn around. And, you know, it's not the real deal unless he gets off the street. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, those who kind of fall back into addiction and things like that. But I don't know. That's it's a stupid thing to think, but I I don't know for some reason in my brain that's just the assumption is oh yeah well everything gets fixed that you you find Jesus and then he'll just fix it all um, when in reality the Lord very well could have him on the streets that's his mission field I, I mean he the Lord knows he's going to be most effective in in helping others encounter Christ by being right there among them. Um, we don't know his ways. <laughs> it's so true. And I have a lot of guys that actually just want to stay on the street. Right? Hmm. That's what they know. And they really do love the Lord. There's other guy that lives in this trailer. There's like no heat. And he goes, I'll always live in this trailer. And he loves the Lord, you know, and he's just like, no, <laughs> it's a mindset. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've even heard crazy. I know of this one girl in Kitchener. She loves the Lord, but the toll the, she actually wasn't homeless. The Lord told her to go and be homeless. I know it sounds crazy, wow. but to relate to them. Wow. And she learned so much. She was homeless for a couple, for about five years. Five just years? To, yeah, just to relate to them. That's challenging. Yeah. And humbling. Really wow. Yeah. And she does the same. She prays for them and leads them into encounters. And yeah, I have guys that will tell me when they're in jail. And I had my one friend, she was in jail and she was having a panic attack thinking of her children. And she goes, okay, stop. I give you my children, Lord. <laughs> right? Wow. And the Lord showed her a picture how he was protecting them and she felt peace all over her. Right? Hmm. And um, yeah. <laughs> how many of us need to learn that lesson, right? Like when it's a, a struggle at work or w with our kids or or what have you, you know, to just actually that exercise of envisioning yourself handing this burden over to the Lord uh, is, mm -hmm. I love that picture. That's beautiful. And mm -hmm. yeah, the, the homeless, the desperately poor are not alone in their need to release that burden. I, I think sometimes we cling to those things and, don't know how to actually let go but that mm -hmm. visual picture is a a beautiful exercise because yeah. yeah. we weren't created to hold on to it yeah right i always say okay jesus what are you saying to me right now mm -hmm. <laughs> right give it to me what are you saying to me right because truth sets us free yeah you know he speaks truth to us right yeah because we can really create some things in our brain right <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you know what i they keep me humble all right what i love about them is and even your dad said it last time he was teaching what this before december there um 
but it's like when you you could cry out in, in church and 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 there's nothing wrong with that and say lord you know draw me deeper enter me into your glory but it's not until you go out and you are desperate because you see this person struggling whatever they're struggling in like i just had the other day when i was praying for my friend that was struggling with addiction and all i i pray for her and i love on her but god's got to meet her do you know what i mean i'm desperate i'm desperate on god to meet her yeah there's only so much i can do christine Lakatis. all i can do is pray all i can give to you is naturally what i have tangibly to give you yeah. but i god's got to heal you god's got to hit that spot and that keeps me raw that keeps me desperate and that's where i encounter the living god right mm. it's, faith is found in desperateness right yeah so i mean and they're desperate they live constantly in a raw desperate place yeah. and so they're they're ministering to me especially when they say i get on my knees and i pray for you oh, oh my god yeah yeah <laughs> wrecks me yeah right oh hmm. yeah wow well thank you so much for sharing this stuff with us today i think i i know i've personally been challenged even just in uh my perceptions of of the homeless uh and understanding that the lord can use them in incredible ways to minister to me too um, so thanks for challenging me on that and for our listeners um, listeners go do something let's get off our butts and go go love the poor and meet Jesus there because he's right there waiting for us uh, and he's going to do amazing things as we ask that all important question can I pray for you uh, and amazing exactly. things are going to happen and if you want to come do it with us in India uh, shameless plug I'm taking a team to India March 8th to the March 20th, and you should come. And we're going to have an amazing time. We're going to be asking that question all day, every day. Can I pray for you? Uh, and watching as people encounter a living Christ who they've never met before. Uh, so come have fun with us there. Or get out to a bus shelter and hand out some chili and see what God does. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, Christine, thank you so much for, for joining us here today. Uh, we will include links to uh, Urban Hope, uh, their various social media and uh, a website there. Uh, so go check it out. Uh, and there's an opportunity for people to give as well. I, I saw on your website, so yes. uh, people yep. Yep. feel called to just uh, give into that ministry. We would encourage you to do that, because um, yeah, we just we love what you guys are doing, and uh, mm -hmm. we just bless you in the name of Jesus to keep going. It's amazing. So. I receive. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you all for joining us again for the Impact Nations podcast. And we'll catch you again next week. <laughs>